Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, listeners. We want to remind you that we have another upcoming live event called the Urban Renewal Retreat on September 23rd through the 25th. Betsy and I, along with the Tend Her team, will be conducting a weekend-long retreat about really returning to yourself, your heart, your body, connecting with others, and returning to yourself. So we're hopeful that if this interests you, you will Look at the show notes and sign up at Dr. Yoga Mama uh, for the Urban Renewal Retreat. We can't wait Come to see and join you. us. We'd love to meet you yes, in person. We would. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a pretty heavy topic today. We're going to talk about grief. Betsy and I have been kind of talking about this individually and collectively, thinking about this topic, moving into fall. Um, and it seems to be popping up everywhere. Uh, there seems to be a lot of loss right now in our world. And I, I think in some ways, we're also kind of collectively grieving the last few years. And so Absolutely. we decided today to, to dive into grief and just to have yeah. a conversation and, and explore the topic. So Yeah, and Kate, I, I think that the wild woman, which is what we are really bringing people's attention to over and over week after week, whether we're interviewing someone or you and I are having a conversation, you know, the wild woman is willing to be sort of in the thick of life, right? Be really fully alive and awake and feeling all of it, not hiding. And so I think the reason this topic feels so relevant to this podcast and these times is that, you know, grief to actually move through grief in a healthy way, we have to be in the middle of it. We have to feel it and let it rage through our bodies. And uh, so I think it's actually a timely topic and it is heavy. And it's also so important for us to talk about it because it's often something that is sort of silently, there's silent suffering and, and we want to just shine some light on what it is, how you and I have been through it. And most importantly, how we can help each other when your sister or your friend or your spouse or your loved one is going through something. Absolutely. So maybe we just start off with kind of a definition of grief. Yeah. Um, There's lots of definitions out there. Um, I've heard it explained as the repeated experience of learning to live Mm -hmm. with loss. Yeah. That it's a daily repeated experience often. Yeah. 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 And we often think of grief as uh, sadness, depression. And of course that is a piece of it, but it's significantly different than depression. Depression is sort of like a dark cloud that stays over you for, according to the DSM, at least two weeks, right? It's like consistently there. Whereas the 
nature of grief is that it comes and goes and it's really unpredictable. So you can be in the grocery store totally fine and a song comes on or you see a product and suddenly the loss that you're going through hits you like a ton of bricks and you're overwhelmed with the the emotions, the tears, the uh, the memories. And so I think that's really one of the defining features is that it's it's somewhat unpredictable. Um, so it comes and it goes. When you're grieving, you're not always feeling sad, um, but then it can hit hard. I, I love the analogy of the ocean, that grief is like the waves, and they do hit hard at times. They um, Maybe the space between them becomes longer over time, but the ocean, as we know, yeah. continues, right? So it really is a... It's something you live live with yeah. often, um, um, and it and it hits you at different moments. Yeah, and you bring up a great t- point that um, we often want to know how long is this going to take, and there's no timeline. And for some losses, yeah, you will carry them and grieve them for the rest of your life. Where other losses, there is a more defined season. Season that you get through and it, and then it's, you know, you've moved past it. But I think as we have this conversation today, we also want to point out that when we, we talk about grief, we often think it means we've, we've lost a loved one to death. And I think we want to really acknowledge and expand our idea that all of us grieve and all of us have loss. Um, and so we're really talking about all forms of loss today, not only death, but, um, you know, changes in career, uh, retirement, empty nesting, divorce, changes in relationships, loss of friends. I mean, these are all things that each of us face over and over and over. And there often is a, a deep grief cycle that comes along with it. Yeah. And I think our culture doesn't always acknowledge that, right? We, to your point earlier, we do that grieving in silence yeah. or alone um, because we have this traditional sense of acknowledging grief, you know, at a time of death, which is certainly the greatest, you know, loss we can experience. But you're right. It happens, it happens for us in a lot of stages of life and it's not something we generally talk about in in that way. Yeah. And then there is that form of grief called disenfranchised grief, which is grief of something that is, you, you stay silent about like, um, infertility or you lost a unborn child no one knew you were pregnant or you went through something with a partner or friend that you you don't want to necessarily talk about with anyone else and so you're going through this grief cycle but you can't talk about it no one knows about it and I think that adds an extra layer of complication for people as well and it's not uncommon it's not that we go through disenfranchised grief yeah yeah what are some of I guess maybe grief experiences that you'd be willing to to share. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Kate, you just recently, I mean, literally it was this past weekend, you uh, invited me over to your house. Just, you're like, hey, I don't have anything going on tonight. My husband's out of town. Come over and have dinner. And I said, great. I think that sounds great. And then an hour or so before you and I were supposed to potentially talk and get together, I got hit with a huge wave of grief. And so, you know, I'm going through a major relationship change, the death of a relationship, very important relationship in my life. Um, And I never know when it's going to hit me. I can go days where I feel 
fine. I feel normal. I feel optimistic. And then it just will pummel me and take me down. And so that was what happened a couple (laughs) hours before I was supposed to see you. And I was sitting, you know, crying in my space and I reached this like fork in the road because I knew that if I went and spent time with you, I would enjoy it and I would be distracted, right? Mm -hmm. I would have a nice time and I, my mind would leave what I was perseverating on. And I knew on some level that could be healthy, but I also knew in that moment that what I needed was just to let it course through my body. I needed to just sit in it, sit in it. Yeah. Like as, um, Mm-hmm. I think Dr. Shafali says you have to sit in your shit, right? And so I felt that I was like, I want to go distract myself, but I actually know or sense that what I need most is just to ugly cry and to let it come through and to just sort of, you know, not be around anyone trying to be okay. Cause I'm, I don't feel okay in this moment. Yeah. And you let me know that I did. And I just, I hope you felt that I was like, that's, yeah, you have full permission to do that. And yeah. I understand and I support you in that. Yeah. Um, which is also as a friend, I could have been like, oh, come on, just come over. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll make you feel better. I'll make it okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we also, as we just respond to one another, it's, it's like holding space, whether you're in that space or you're just allowing that person to say, this is not, this is what I need right now. And exactly. And letting it be okay. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I, I reflect, you know, had I, had it been with someone that I wasn't as close to, would I have been as open about like, I'm in a major grief wave? I don't know, but I, I feel like I have been talking about it more with people as like, I'm just in a grief space. And, I'm defining, and I think this maybe applies to all types of grief that like where I'm at in the grief cycle of sort of mourning the death of what I knew is that grief and change, like the the ending of anything requires us to like reconstruct our sense of self, reconstruct our world as we know it. It's like there's a huge rupture in, in your daily life and also just... I guess for me too, in my perception of who I was. Mm. And so grief is so much more than just getting over what you've lost. It's like getting over what you've lost or coming to terms with what you lost. I don't know if you ever get over it, but then there's this whole process of like, I have to reconstruct, I have to rethink who am I and who Mm. am I in this world if I don't have this relationship and who am I as a parent and you know, what do I want? And so Um, that's, I feel like in some ways the space that I'm swimming in these days and yeah, it's complicated, but I will say what I notice is that even though it was pretty heavy for a couple days, then it's gone (laughs) and then it's like, okay, I can breathe again. I'm back at the surface. I'm fine. Um, and yet I know the cycle, like it'll hit me again, but it'll hit me differently. And, Mm -hmm. and I think the longer time goes on, the, the less intense it is, or there's more space between the waves when you get hit. (laughs) Yeah. The waves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, ironically, I've in this last few weeks had a lot of grief as well that I know I've shared with you, but, um, I had, uh, two funerals in a week, uh, this month. 
of, of people, um, in my, in my world and, and people I care about, obviously, um, kind of observing them, their grief. So kind of being part of a grieving community and, um, and, um, it was, you know, you, as an empath, you mm-hmm. pick that up and I kind of was carrying that. Um, and then at a time when, uh, my kids were both moving on. So i I don't know if this is an official term, but it felt like compounded grief. Yeah. It felt like I had this grief period that then was, I just kept piling on. I kept, you know, the next thing would happen and I was feeling the sense of personal loss. Um, we moved our daughter onto her first, you know, grown up apartment and it felt like the end of that chapter. Yeah. So kind of the loss of, I think really her, uh, childhood yeah, and my role for her. Yeah, actually, uh, can I just, so I'm going to keep speaking here yeah. because um, I can see the tears in your eyes and this is what we're talking about uh, when you're with a friend or someone you love that's grieving is just yeah, holding space, holding space and letting them feel the wave and knowing that it's not pathological. There's nothing wrong. Right. Like, what do they say? Grief is a measure of how deeply you love. Yes. So the more you grieve, it shows the deeper that you love. And so... You know, I know with your daughter, uh, yeah, this is like she really has moved out. Like she's probably not coming back to live at home again, right? right? right. And so there's there's grief with that. So yeah, yeah. And then some of the the loss was associated with with her move to with her roommate, and so that was you know, like I said, kind of compounded all of that. Yeah. And then within that same forty eight hour period, my son decided it was time for him to pack up and move too. So back to college, right? All of yes. Yeah, so all of this was happening all at once, and I just kind of lost it. Yeah, and um, I let myself just kind of feel it. Yeah, I'm still clearly feeling it, but um, but then I've also seen a lot of posts from my friends, and you know, the age I'm at, a lot of my friends are going through this same thing. Yeah, and we've been talking about how you can be excited for them and want this, you know, their next step. Uh, for them and you can be excited, but also hold the, the grief that yeah. feels a mom. Yeah. And that both of those things can exist, the light and the dark. So, so yeah, I think fall in a, you know, it's a time of new beginnings, time of letting go. This is also that season of change that, that we're all kind of going through in some way. Um, yeah. And the feelings of grief, I think just sharing them too. We have, I have a little Facebook um, messenger group with a bunch of moms and we're all just like, yeah, I feel like that's how I feel. Right. Like yeah, we're acknowledging it to each real. other, it's which real. normalizes it, yeah. which is also really important yeah. that it is grief yeah. to say that's what this is. Yeah. And I want to bring up, um, you mentioned fall, like fall is the season of death. Mm-hmm. Literally it's when we can visualize the earth around us, if you're in the Northern hemisphere dying, right? The leaves start to fall, the flowers fade, the grass turns brown. And so even if you're not conscious of it, your body (laughs) and your sort of psyche soul feel the change. And so 
I talk about this almost every fall with my yoga students and with my clients that fall is often a time when we feel more anxious or we feel more overwhelmed. There's more of an emotional uprising. And I do think it's because we all uh, struggle with our own mortality and it's hard to be around death. So as we're watching, you know, the The leaves leaves die (laughs) and fall off, it's a reminder to us that like, oh yeah, everything comes to an end and gosh, as humans, we really resist the endings. We do. But with every, no, we're not good. But with every ending is new beginnings. And yeah. yet we seem to forget that yeah. new beginning part, the hope of the new beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wonder sometimes if um, we are evolving as humans in, in kind of end of life. And, and are we getting better at, at talking about death and, mm-hmm. um, I feel like other countries just do it much more, much better, mm-hmm. um, at least in some of my conversations mm-hmm. with people that have experienced that elsewhere. So, but yeah, I think fall is just this natural season of, of letting go. But like I always say, when you let go of something, you are freeing your arms for yeah. new things. Absolutely. So maybe it is, it is just a good time to also reflect on what is, what is it time to let go of Mm -hmm. and let the natural season of fall allow you to let go of some things that you, that you're carrying that totally time to let go of. Um, You said that, um, I want to ask you about it because I think this is important for us to all hear. Like you said, you felt all this grief, you know, you're moving both your kids and you've gone through these two funerals and you just let yourself like really feel it. What did that look like? Like for you, what does, what does grief look like or feel like, or how did you let it kind of roll through your body? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely felt it in my body. Mm-hmm. I was also in the midst of this traveling a lot. So I was in a car for many, many hours and I could feel all of this, um, because I was so sedentary driving. Like yeah. I felt all of it in my body. So I had to consciously kind of work it out of my body too. Yeah. Um, which yoga is so good for, but I was like, I just, you know, lots of things hurt for a lot of reasons. I was moving too, Mm, but you had a lot of pain, a lot of pain, but Mm. I think it was a combination of just all of it. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was acknowledging that it was all kind of sitting in my body. Yeah. Um, and trying to release it. Um, tears for me are huge. (laughs) I do a lot of release through tears. Um, talked a lot with my kids about, kind of all of it. So yeah. I didn't hide it from my kids, which is kind of interesting. Um, their response, you know, yeah. I also think that's, uh, I hope <laughs> somewhat of a gift for them to, to see me be honest about it. Yeah. And, and to not normalize to normalize tears bad. and right. emotions. Right. And, um, yeah. So we had some good conversations and, and, um, but it just kind of, there was just so much all at once too, which, you know, tends to be overwhelming. And so I couldn't even at times figure out what, what it is that was making me cry. Why am I crying? It just all felt like it was in this big, you know, yeah. pot together. And so kind of working through each, I didn't even really have the time to like absorb each experience because mm-hmm. they all came so quickly in succession. Yeah. I and mean, this is literally a seven day period. Um, but you make a great point there. That for a lot of people, especially if things are happening quickly or you don't know that it's okay to grieve, 
you don't have time for it or you push it down or you push it away and then it it stays comes out sideways later it does <laughs> and it becomes a much more complicated yeah. grieving process yeah right that can take years decades to really identify and release you know yeah yeah i think you know like you said normalizing it talking about it naming it um kind of releases it yeah. and, and helps me. I'm curious, process. do you make a lot of sound? I noticed this last weekend when I was in such deep grief. I let, and luckily I was alone. I was like wailing, like sounds coming out of my body that I'm like, what is this? I sound like a dying animal right now. But I found that the sound was so helpful for me to like make sound. It was really surprising because I was trying to figure out like, yeah, tears are pretty normal for me, but, um, like the sound and, and I did a lot of movement, like I was bouncing and trying to move and like release it through. Yeah. Yeah. I had some, I had some ugly, loud crying. I did. did. Um, yeah, that even for me was a lot, but I do think the sound piece releases more. The movement certainly releases it. Yeah. Movement sound. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is also cultural, right? A lot of times we try to cry and Silence, yeah, or, you know, that's stoic, sort yes. of. I don't want anyone to see this, and yeah. that is what's inconvenient about grief is that it's so unpredictable that you can be in a you could be in a meeting and suddenly like it hits you, mm-hmm. and it's like, dang it, come on, not now, <laughs> no. right? Don't hit me now, at least wait till I get to my car or something like that, yeah. And that's where I think, especially as women, we can support one another, um, yeah. In, in grief and, and be, be there for one another. Okay. So let's talk about this because, um, you know, I feel like I've been grieving for, you know, a good six to nine months, maybe even up to a year now about the change in my relationship. And I actually just read some research, which I thought was really interesting that, um, studies show that for most people, the worst symptoms of grief which might, we might categorize as depression and sleeplessness and loss of appetite, they peak at six months. Really? Yeah. So I found that very fascinating that like the peak of grief can happen about six months after the loss. So, but that's also like loss and grief. It's, it's such a long process. And what I've noticed is that people in my life that I, want them to be checking in on me aren't like, it's sort of like, there's a sense of, well, you should be over this or you're fine. And, and yeah, because grief, there are a lot of moments that you're fine. Like when I go into that grief, I feel like I don't have the energy to reach out to people. And yet like loved ones or people that I would hope would be connecting and reaching out. It's like they've moved past it. So can we talk about like, you know, how do you support people in grief? Cause it is kind of a marathon. It's not just like a, Oh, you lost someone. Here's the sympathy card moving on. I mean, it is for us when it's not our loss, but if we really have a loved one or a dear friend in our life, who's going through something like, how do we support them like long term in the process of grief? But don't you think it stems from our culture? We, we have a very 
Oh, we hate messy things. Specific protocol yes. for for loss, right? right? You take send the casserole, you send the flowers, you attend, and then and then you know you kind of yeah. that then it then it becomes the point of just kind of stepping back. Yeah, right. We yeah. don't lean into that the next no, period of time. We don't. Um, so how so loneliness is such a component of grief. I yes. feel like. Is that, you know, you might feel really supported in that first couple of weeks after a big loss or a big change, yeah. but then everyone goes on with their life as they should. I mean, like I'm not sure. suggesting that, but, but there comes points of loneliness because you're still going through this major restructuring of your own life and you don't feel like there's anyone kind of checking in. Yeah. I once had a, a period of pretty deep grief and I had a girlfriend who every morning she would send me a quote. Yeah. I remember this. This is amazing. And um, I didn't, I have most of the time didn't respond, but it was like a hit every day that someone was thinking of. Yes. And so I've never forgotten that. And, um, and I've told her how much that meant to me. So I think, I think the check-ins and not expecting anything in return. Bingo. She didn't stop doing it because I wasn't responding. It would have been easy to be like, oh, I sent her four things I haven't heard from her. So she must not be interested in getting these. Yeah, She just kept sending. Yeah. I listened to a podcast over the weekend and I can't remember who they were interviewing, but it was a woman about grief and she'd written a book about grief. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Do you have it? Awesome. But what I love that she said, because I so related to it, she said that um, the person who is grieving needs permission to be um, a shitty friend. (laughs) So they need permission to not respond, to not reach out because you don't have any energy to do that. You're just using all your energy to kind of survive what you're going through. But that as friends, we need to keep reaching out even if we don't hear from them. So that's, I thought often of your story about that friend who sent you, sent you a text every day. Like that to me feels like such a beautiful template is that we just keep reaching out. It can be simple. Hey, I'm thinking of you sending you a hug. Hope you're doing okay. And that we don't expect them to respond. It's okay for them not to respond for months, right? As they're getting through this, but they feel the consistency of our care. And that's what I've learned is the people that have been consistent with their care and their encouragement toward me. Oh, I am forever grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of this is it goes back to that connection to others and how powerful it is and how, how we need that. And we need it in good times and in bad, right? As women, we, we have to, we have to really think about how we're showing up yeah. for one another um, beyond the immediate crisis. Um, and you know what we would want if, if, the tables were turned, right? Yeah. And um, I know it's sometimes hard to know what to do, and and we think, oh, somehow reaching out is a reminder. Or, but I I think this the podcast I listen to it as well. The this idea of that the value of someone remembering is like, oh, yes. it is it's an acknowledgement of what you're going through, and it it is like. It is, it is such a, it, it touches people's hearts. Like it's like, it, it's really just a form of love, right? It's, it's sending them love. <laughs> and that's, 
at a time of grief, I think when, when we need love, we all want to be seen. We just all want to be seen. Yes. And even when we're in our most dark, sort of ugly crying in a fetal position on the floor, um, to have someone see us or feel us and just send out that like, Hey, I got you. I'm thinking about you, um, is really huge. Yeah. After this tend her class, I started thinking about Every week, I try to think of a friend maybe I haven't talked to in a while Mm. and like pinging. Beautiful. Without, you know, not asking or I don't need anything. Just like, hey, you know, I know you just dropped Jack off at college. I hope you're doing well. You know, just like acknowledging some of these moments people are going through. Um that's so great. What, what's been, what's been, I not that well, there should be yeah, a response, but I'm just yeah, curious how it feels it, to you. It feels good. It feels good to just acknowledge people, right. And acknowledge yeah. the season we're in. Um, I'm in by, it, you know, whatever I'm feeling, I can guess that the next woman next to me yes. is going through a similar feeling. And yes. so, um, instead of just keeping it to myself and, you know, I'm, you're spreading the, yeah, spreading it out. I love it may, that. And it just makes you feel less alone yeah. in what you're going through too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And isn't that the key too, mm-hmm. is that the feeling less alone? And I think why continuing to talk about these things and be willing to bring up these hard things with people is so that we don't feel alone. Like I, I remember a teacher saying to me years ago, like Betsy, there's not that many unique human experiences, right? Like if you're going through something you can be guaranteed that there are yeah. literally thousands, if not more, people who've experienced this exact same situation. And yet when it's on us, we do feel alone. Mm-hmm. Like this weekend when I'm up there crying by myself, thinking like, I'm the only way. No, I'm not. Right? Like, right. So many people have gone through this. And um, so again, I think just speaking about it and helping us understand it's not pathological. Grief is not pathological actually reminds me of a of a client that I saw years ago it was a young man and um he came to my office and he'd been on various depression medicines over the years and didn't like the side effects and we just started to talk about you know his life and where he was at at this moment in time and he had gone his parents had gone through a divorce when he was I think maybe in high school. And then he had lost one of his parents. And so as we talked, you know, he had been sort of misdiagnosed over the years as being depressed. And as we talked, I was like, you know what? I don't think you're depressed. I, because he would have weeks and periods where it was totally fine. And then he would be hit. And so I cannot tell you the relief that this young man had to be able to reconceptualize that, and, and I explained to him, I think it's a complicated grief. It's years. You've been going through this for years because you haven't, you know, happened in college. You didn't have time to grieve. You didn't know how to grieve, right? He kind of just moved on. So it was a complicated grief in that he had never really dealt with it, but that it didn't feel like depression to me. It felt like, you know, this sort of Waves. wave that came and went. And for him, he was so blown away and grateful to sort of understand like, oh, this, yeah, this, I've never felt like this was depression, but I didn't get it. And so I think it helped him again, just normalize his experience. Yeah. 
Well, and I don't, I'm obviously not a psychologist, but I, I wonder sometimes if when we, when we medicate people in a situation like that, and, and then you kind of take away the ability to feel it all. It's even harder to grieve. Yeah. Right. So then, yeah. then it extends the period. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously times yeah. when it's, when it's so necessary, yeah. but, but confusing those two probably in diagnosis yeah. happens more often. It than probably that. does. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm so curious about, you know, indigenous cultures and healing and how they, you know, worked with passages in life. And, and although I think, you know, we do funerals, um, we often don't have these like rites of passages for loss or for change. I mean, I even think about, I feel a little bit of grief about, you know, my kids going from being a child to being a teen. Like that's a rite of passage. That's Mm -hmm. a goodbye to the childhood, goodbye to the toys, goodbye to the games, like moving into a different phase of life. And yet, you know, we don't really mark a lot of these passageways. And so then I don't know, we get emotions and feelings about it and then we don't know what to do with them and we stuff them down and they get stuck in our bodies and right. Like how, how far we've lost sort of these natural endings and marking them. Yeah. That's such a great point. Yeah. And, and that allows people a point in time to process it. Yeah. Sometimes collectively. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I think even with our children, right, those, those moments of passage and, and moving on, they are just individually dealing with. Yeah. Or they're just kind of, no one acknowledges it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think to, um, the, the night before my partner and I, uh, moved out in this separation, we, I'd been, it been given the um, guidance from a very wise teacher of mine that we should do some kind of a rite of passage. Mm. And so that night we both prepared like a list of what we appreciated about each other and what we would miss about the other person and what our hope was for that other person. Mm -hmm. And it was so powerful. It was such a beautiful moment to really acknowledge all we'd been through and that we were reaching this change point, not knowing what it was going to mean or where it was going to go. And I'm still really grateful. I'll never forget that moment, but we don't have, that's, this isn't like, I'm so grateful for this friend to be like, this is a, this is a major change point. Like do a rite of passage, light a candle, like talk about it, go through some ritual, right? Mm -hmm. Begin and end the process. And, you know, it seems to me there's so many of those points in our life where even ritual and these kind of moments don't have to like take long. They can be like a 15 minute, let's pause, let's yes. reflect, let's release, let's acknowledge the ending and let's open to the next beginning. Yeah. Um, I had a, a similar moment like that in a relationship where we were on a trip and we wrote words things on the beach next to the water that we were ready to let go of. And then we literally watched the water. So beautiful. Take it away. Beautiful. And yeah, I think we have moved far away from, from those natural kind of 
inflection points and markings and ritual experiences that um, can be really healing. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Maybe we need to <laughs> create a list or a book of the, of these moments, you know, these passageways, these moments when, you know, and how to acknowledge them, how to ritualize them. Um, you know, I do a lot of like burn ritual. Yeah. Like I do a lot of, you and like, I burned a lot of shit. We burned, we burned a lot of shit together. <laughs> I've done a lot of like full moon sort of mm-hmm. like release, let go. And there is something as hokey as it may sound, there is something that changes and shifts when we say, it's my intention to release this and I'm going to write it on a paper. I'm going to burn it in the fire. I'm going to watch it go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to move forward with a fresh start. So yeah, well, that's, it's just good, good to share with listeners. And maybe if you're starting a new chapter or ending a chapter, there's an opportunity to do a ritual um, yeah. in your life. Yeah. So let's maybe uh, tie this up, uh, leaving people with, if you're going through grief or you have a close friend or loved one going through grief, what are some things you can do? And I want to just start by saying one of the best things we can do is what I think we did just for each other in this episode today mm-hmm. was we just witness. Yeah. Witness. Yeah. No need to fix or change or make it better or try to convince them how the new beginning is going to be mm-hmm. phenomenal. No one wants to hear about the damn right. new beginning yet. Like just no. like hold space no. for them. Yeah. I think um, holding space, sometimes being in space with people. Just, right? being, just with being with them. Um, I didn't break down your door that night, but you did it. You, 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 you can ask, you know, can I just come over and sit with you? Mm-hmm. Right. And give that invitation because they're probably not going to ask. Yes. I think that's a second thing that for, to realize is that the person in grief has very little energy to reach out. It's so common that we say, tell, tell me, Tell me what you need. You don't freaking know what you need. You're like, you know, in the depths. And so, um, you know, when someone's, they can't reach out. So reach out to them. Like, and it can be something as simple as you leave them a fresh thing of bread or a flower or, you know, or even just a text message, letting them know you're thinking of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the acknowledgement piece in whatever way. And if, if someone's lost someone, I think acknowledging, continue to acknowledge that person. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of listened to that same podcast and, and I'll just share that it's Marissa Renee Lee. It's an upcoming book, so it's not out quite yet, Mm -hmm. but grief is love is the name of the book. And she taught, she lost her mother and she talks about, um, just having people remember her mom and on her birthday, they all, her friends all remember her mom, that that means so much to her because it means her mom has memory has lived on. on. She's still, you know, with people. So I think we're not great at that sometimes either. We think, oh, that might hurt. But her point was, it actually makes me feel healing. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I think just the acknowledgement is really important. Um, and not expecting anything in return. Yeah. Right. We, yeah. we need to, we need to kind of Give move them away. their space and don't personalize that they're, they're not reaching out yeah. to you. Yeah. 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 And I think last but not least, whether you're going through grief or you've got someone you love going through it, just realize it's unpredictable. <laughs> it ebbs, it flows. 
Um, it takes time. Yeah. Time is the great balm. And so that, that sense of patience with yourself or the other in your life, just giving them that space and knowing that it, it will, you know, it's going to take some time. Right. There is a definite um, need to surrender to it um, when you're going through it too. So if you're going through grief, letting yourself surrender that, that grief, it shows up when it needs yeah. to. It's, it's a difficult process, but um, it's all part of, it's part of life and the human yeah. experience. And feeling it in the moment that it comes up is so mm-hmm. much more um, efficient and impactful and it's going to move it through quicker than if you deny it and push it down. You know, I think that's what makes grief complicated and take years and decades and, um, and then not understanding why you're feeling the way you are 10 years later. Cause I lost this person 10 years ago. So it's that like, can I actually be in the depth of it in the moment and let it come through that it'll be easier for me to deal with it now yeah. than somewhere down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, well, we're, Kate. yeah, thank you. Thanks we're for this hard for conversation. Yeah. And, um, our, my encouragement to anyone who's listening today, if you know someone who's been going through a loss, take a moment right now and just send them a text, shoot them a note, let them know you're thinking of them. Yes. Thanks, Betsy. And now the amazing singer songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. Thank you.